on this week's episode of Unwritten. And it's open in, and you had to know that was coming. I personally wouldn't have thrown it the head of Arenado. I would have, I would have hit him, though. I don't know who put out the hit. I don't know if Tony Soprano was in the dugout. I didn't see him in there. Whoa! History. And Bryce Harper wants a piece of Hunter Strickland. Here they go. Strickland lands a punch. Harper lands a punch. Bench is empty. Hello and welcome to Unwritten from Odyssey and MLB. We're going behind baseball's secret rules. My name is Ron Darling. With me is Jimmy Rollins. Today we're talking about all the unwritten rules around retribution and payback. Ooh, this is going to be quite a show. (laughs) Tit for tat, who started it, and more. Often this ends up with a pitcher hitting a batter with a pitch, but there are other ways around the payback as well. So, Jimmy, have you ever stood in the box and knew someone's going to drill you. I definitely knew I was getting hit, and I would say the first time it happened to me, I want to say it was my first big league spring training. We were playing the Yankees, and it was a hard slide at second base, and you got Boomer on the mound throwing his cutter, and I'm the first batter, and I'm the youngest kid on the field, and I just knew it was happening. I mean, there was nowhere for me to go. And when it's happening, you can't run from it. It's, It's almost like you have to accept it, let it happen, and get it over with, and no one's going to talk about you. Like, you stood in there like a man, and you did what you were supposed to do, and there's no thanks. It's just part of the game. But he threw a cutter, and it hit me right in my IT band, and I just folded over like a collapsible chair, you know, <laughs> and my leg was just dead. It's, it's just sitting there, and I'm like, I can't be down for too long. Everybody's looking. And like we said, you can't rub it. <laughs> you, 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 you just have to play it off. And I limped all the way down to first base. But that wasn't the kicker. My dad was in the stands that game. And he was happy. He was just like, they got you, huh? Like, welcome to the big leagues. I'm like, dude, you have no idea. I have ice and a bruise right now. And he's celebrating me me being hit uh, by a ball. But, yeah, there are definitely times when you know it's going to happen and you have to sit there and take it like a man. (laughs) Oh, and Worth is plunked on a 3-0 pitch. And that causes some hard feelings. You know what's interesting about unwritten rules is that they transform over time. When I first came to the major leagues, it was street cred. If a a player on your team was hit or consistently hit, that you would go out there and take care of business, that you would hit someone so that guy on the bench could look you in the eye and say thank you. You know, he might not even say thank you, but he, he would look at you a little different than he did before. And then by the time I ended my career, the managers would really tell you if they wanted retribution. They didn't want the player or the pitcher to do it on his own. They wanted their shot to tell you who they thought was the right person to hit. And that's why we have Larry Boa here. Oh, Boa, we we haven't seen Boa this hot since back in 2004. Something set the fills off. Quick pitch. Yeah, Boa is definitely gone. We need the expert on someone that certainly, certainly knew how things used to be done, then they changed. But the whole retribution thing, I think, is one of the unwritten rules, Larry, that's still hard to wrap your brain around for most players and managers. It is, Ron. First of all, I want to thank you guys for having me on. But I got one that right out of the gate that you get. Jimmy probably remembers. We had just gotten Jim Tony, and it was a spring break. Spring training game at Jack Russell Stadium. And Doc Holliday was pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays. And lo and behold, he drills Tommy and, and he hit him right in the elbow. And this was the first year Jim came over as a free agent. I'm the manager and I'm saying, 
man, I thought it was, you know, just an accident. And Jim stopped between home and first and he grabbed his elbow and I went out. And I said, you all right? And he goes, yeah. And he says, that was on purpose. I said, what? He says, that was on purpose. And I said, why is that? He said, just check the numbers, you know? And I said, okay, if that's on purpose. So I went back to the dugout and Tommy went down to first. I took him out of the game and Doc Holliday was pitching and Lieberthal was the catcher. And he goes, uh, who do you want to get? The first hitter, I said, no, this is what pitchers had to hit. I said, Doc's coming up. I want him to drill. <laughs> Lo and behold, he drilled him. We had a free-for-all. <laughs> I got suspended for three games in spring training. <laughs> Tommy's down in the clubhouse pumping his fist like, oh, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love playing for this guy because he's protecting me. And you know what's amazing is I went and checked the numbers. Tommy wore him out. So Jim, know, you know, like Jimmy said, you know when someone's going to hit you. Uh, it's just the look in their eye. Uh, I remember trying to bun on Bob Gibson. I fouled it off and the look was different and I knew how competitive he was. And the next pitch, he drilled me in the ribs. I just went down to first. There's no way I'm messing with Bob Gibson. <laughs> little things like that uh, stand out in my mind. And I watched the game today and when a pitcher comes up and in, they, they do this to their chest and say, my bad. I can't imagine, even oh. you, Ron, I can't imagine yeah. you doing that. No. I can't imagine Steve Carlton, Bob Gibson, but it's a different game today. There's no doubt about it. You know, I remember when Nolan Ryan, towards the end of his career, I don't know if you guys remember this, but after he would throw his last warm-up, he would walk to the first baseline, kind of where a bunt would be, and then he would walk to the third baseline, kind of where you would bunt the ball. And I always thought that was like, I'm 42 years old. Do not be bunting on me. Well, there he is. He's hit. And Ryan's got to be kicked out of the game. And he is. There's no question about it. People ask me about pitchers that, that when I played, we faced. And even when Jimmy first came up, those pitchers, not only were they good, they had an attitude out there. And it, it didn't bother them at all to come up and in or, or dust you off or, hey, uh, Bob Gibson's favorite line when he, Mike Schmidt had a whole run off him to win the game. We happened to go to St. Louis a week later. He pitched against us. He drills Mike the first time up. And a reporter asked him, he says, was that on purpose? He says, no. He says, half the plate's mine and half the plate is the hitters. He says, they just have to guess which half I want. And <laughs> that was the mentality. That was the mentality of pitchers back then. There was a little, I'm not saying fear, but you knew going in there, this their their frame of mind wasn't like players that play today. It's a lot different. But again, these players today are faster, bigger, stronger. But I don't think the attitude is out there like it was back in the day. That, that's the thing that I think is missing more than anything. And do you think that's just because of, you know, the way the, the game is uh, marketed, you know, the players to have fun, uh, Step into the 21st century. It isn't about you know the mano mano part, mano mano side. Just enjoy the game. More of a celebration as opposed to I was coming up at the and a really transition of the old school guard, especially you know you as a manager, Fook in a dugout, and you knew when something had to be done that it was going to get done. Opposed to, does it really matter? Do we really care about that, or is it right. you know the money and playing the game and just having fun, letting the kids play, which is the campaign. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Jimmy. That's how the game has changed. There's no, no doubt about it. And all these guys, a lot of them have the same agents. So when they negotiate contracts, you know, and even though he's playing on a different team, you know, none of that stuff happens now. But 
I, I don't know. I, the, the thing that bothers me more than anything, I, I, I'm all in on the flip back flips and all that now because it's different. And if pitchers want to watch it, fine. I have nothing against that. What bothers me is warming up before the game. You know how you do your sprints, and one down the right field line, one down the left, and they give hugs out there before the game. I mean, that stuff really bothers me today. <laughs> I, I'm ready to roll with punches and everything with everything else that goes on. But we're trying to beat that team out there. They're all exchanging hugs and everything. And I'm going, man, you know, back in the day, if I was playing shortstop, there's no way I'd try to hug Dave Parker because he tried to knock me into left center field every time it was a ground ball. <laughs> That's the only thing really that bothers me right now. But the, the other parts of the game, the game has changed so much that I, I'm, I'm okay with it. As long, hey, if the pitchers, they like guys bat flipping on them, hey, that, that's on them. I know in the 1985 All-Star Game, a couple of hitters um, were with some people that they knew, and they wanted to take some pictures. And I remember saying, I can't take a picture with that guy. I'm trying to get him out. It was like Dave Winfield wanted to take a picture, and I'm like, I don't really want to take a picture with Dave Winfield. He, I mean, at some point, he's going to hit a line drive off my forehead because you know that's the way he used to hit. I think there's two things that kind of change the retribution, and you guys can address both. One, I think, was the designated hitter. And when it came in, all of a sudden, it allowed some pitchers to be as cruel and mean as they wanted to because they never had to face retribution because they weren't going to hit anymore. I agree with that. Uh, in fact, Pedro Martinez, who played pitch for the Expos, and I was coaching for old school manager Jim Fergosi, and he had hit a couple of our guys. Jeffries gets hit by that inside pitch, and you could hear him yell. And again, the catcher came in and said, who should we get? And Jim says, I want you to hit Pedro. You can see this pitch coming right in at Pedro's left knee, and then Pedro gets decked, and here they go. Maybe it was coincidental. That was the last time Pedro hit anybody on the Philadelphia Phillies during uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Fergosi's tenure there with the Phillies. But that stuff happened. You're exactly right. When, when, when the pitchers don't have to hit, well, they can do whatever they want out there. They got free reign. And I, I, I believe that had a lot to do with uh, the retribution. There's no question in my mind. And there's something that's, that I've always wanted to ask, uh, being a, a kid that played for you. How did your opinion change on retribution from a player to a coach to a manager? Who, you know, as it became, managers started deciding who they wanted. Right. Did you like your players coming up to you in a situation, taking control, and you, you know, you get who you want, or I want this guy specifically? How did that transition happen for you, and, how, and did it change your opinion on, on retribution? It didn't change my opinion on retribution. I, I felt as a manager, and you know, Jimmy, there were times where I was tough as a manager and I was old school, but if one of my guys got hit and I thought it was on purpose, I'm going to hit somebody. I'm not saying that person's hit, but I'm going to hit somebody. And if it's, if Jimmy Rollins got hit, I'm going to hit their shortstop. If Pat Burrow got hit, I'm going to hit their left fielder. I mean, I think that to gain respect from your players, and you know it's on purpose, you have to show them that, hey, I got your back. But moving forward now, it's almost impossible, Jimmy and Ron, to tell if you're a manager to go up and tell a catcher or a pitcher, I want this guy drilled, because the players today, they have all the social media and who's to, to say that 
that night somebody could say, oh, Jimmy Rollins told me that uh, Larry Boa told him to hit the, the next hitter. Hmm. These guys get out there and they start flashing everything on social media. So you got to be careful now as a manager. You got to hope your players take things in their own hands because as a manager, you don't know what that player is going to say or that pitcher. He liable to say, Larry Boa told me to hit this guy. And that's exactly what I did. So you got to be ultra safety in that situation because there's a fine line with the social media the way it is today. There's no doubt in my mind. That's interesting you say that because that could be deemed almost a criminal act by someone mm, if right. they find out that you premeditated, wanted to hit someone. The other thing, other than the DH, I thought, has played an interesting role, and it's not their fault. But I, th I think that it's allowed things to fester because if you take care of it right away, then it's all forgotten and you play the rest of the year. But the umpires have so much more power over what's going to happen. The umpires have the latitude to read intent. And they think he totally intended And they get in a meeting before the game even starts. And they hear, hey, listen, I heard that so-and-so wants to hit Jimmy Rollins. If that happens, everyone's getting thrown out because I don't want this to become a brawl. And no one wants a brawl. You, you know as well as I know, Larry, sometimes a brawl will stop a 162-game brawl where it's all festers all year long. Get it over with. Get whatever you have to have done. But I think the umpire's power, um, more power in this, has made it more difficult. I agree with that. I do believe, though, that back in the day that the umpires, for the most part, let you get even. They let you, if, if they knew a guy was throwing at someone, they're going to give you a shot. Now, if you throw one and miss, then that, that's over with. Now, the next one, there's going to be some action taken. But I really believe players handle that stuff better than umpires. Umpires' hands are tied right now. If they think a guy's throwing at somebody, even if it's a breaking ball, it doesn't matter. I've seen guys get hit with breaking balls, and right away the mask comes off. Gosman's delivery oh. to him, and he didn't mean to do that. Oh, he oh, threw him out of the game. you got to be kidding me. There were no warnings given on a slider, a 77 mile per hour slider that backs up on a cold night. And as you well know, Ron, if you're going to hit somebody, you're not in them with a breaking ball. That's right. You're going to leave a mark. You're going to let it hit and stick and drop. Uh, that's just the way the game was played. But I do believe when players took care of themselves, in all fairness to the umpires back then, they let you get even for the most part. And then once if you missed, hey, you missed. That would you had a shot to get even. Now we the next guy that gets hit, we're going to do some kicking guys out of the ball game. But I think players can take care of that. But again, the umpires' hands are tied right now, and and but players are like elephant minds, man. They they remember. You can hit a guy in April and don't play him again until September, and everybody remembers who what happened in April. And so that stuff never goes away, no matter what. What years you played, what, what century you played in, players remember when somebody did something bad to you and it was on purpose. And Kiermaier is hit by that pitch. And uh, we know what has gone on with all of that. Kiermaier not happy being escorted up that first base line by the plate umpire. Bruce Dreckman and both benches now 
are emptying. You know, one of the great things about ball players is their memories uh, can talk about an at-bat from 25 years ago. And if you ask them, say, well, walk me through that at-bat. Well, he started me with a cutter in, his ball one. They'll walk you through the entire at-bat. It's one of the beauty, beautiful things uh, of ball players. You know, when, when I pitched, I was always cognizant of of having the control to hit batters. I don't think a lot of pitchers even know how to hit batters right. today. And it happened to me. I was playing in a in an amateur league, in the Cape Cod League. I wasn't pitching a lot. I was asked to come in the game and pitch, and I ended up hitting a young player in the face. Um, I didn't want to pitch ever after that, um, mm. and I didn't pitch for the rest of the summer because I was devastated by it. Um, and once I became a pro... I, I did two things. One, if I were going to throw in to a right-handed hitter, I never threw a two-seamer because my ball would take off. I always would throw a four-seamer because I know that would be true. And I'm not talking about hit the hitter. I'm talking about something, like, you know, right here, you know, under the right. chin to back him up to go away. But I never wanted that ha- to happen to me that happened as an amateur because, listen, we've had Ray Chapman died from getting hit by a hit ball. I remember when I was about to turn seven years old, in 1967, Tony Conigliaro was a player for the Red Sox, and right. he was hit in the face. It, mm. He never was the same player. And I remember, this is what happens when you're a young kid and a fan, telling my mom, I do not want a birthday cake. The next day was my birthday until Tony C is playing in the lineup again. Those things that you do, right? But I was always aware of the fact what kind of harm you can do to someone. In fact, George Steinbrenner even consulted his lawyers and was told that it was it could be a premeditated act uh, to go after someone. But uh, I always thought, you know, it had to be chest down if you did any of those things in retribution. I personally wouldn't have thrown at the head of Arenado. I would have, I would have hit him, though. Well, I, I mean, I agree with that, Ron. I, you know, I think Jimmy can verify this. Pitchers today, they're, they're all throwing the upper 90s. They don't know how to pitch inside. So I, I guarantee most of the time the hitters hit, it's, it's an accident because I think that's the biggest drawback for these guys going hard and they want to come in. They don't know how to come in. Yeah, it's not in purpose. We know that. We get that. But at some point, it starts to get frustrating because, hey, I got hit in the head. Now you hit me. You hit Javi. Everybody's getting hit. No doubt. If you can't throw inside, don't throw inside. If yeah. you can't command it, don't throw it there. Yep. They either throw it behind a guy's head or they miss by a lot. So when you're throwing them with that kind of velocity, if you're going to go in, like you said, it's got to be like from the chest down. And if you hit a guy accidentally, but if you're going to throw with somebody and you throw that hard, as you said, you, you can end somebody's, not only their life, their career, everything like that. But I really don't believe these young kids that throw 95, 96, 97 miles an hour have any kind of clue with the exception of, you know, a DeGrom, the, the, the elite pitchers, you know, Scherzer, mm-hmm. guys like that, Wheeler. Uh, most of those guys, they have no idea how to come inside on a hitter. And I think when you see a guy get hit right away, everyone says, oh, that was on purpose. And I've, I've learned now watching games, I don't think they're on purpose. I just think these guys have no clue as, as far as pitching inside. Yeah, Jimmy, I think that's right, right? Uh, velocity over pitchability is what you have right in today's game. Definitely. Um, it's, I mean, maybe it goes back to, you know, the Atlanta Braves down and away, down and away, down and away. You know, but they had guys that would come in for show, come in for show just to stretch the plate back out. So I right. do agree with you. It's it's a bad look. It never looks good when someone gets hit, especially when it's high velocity and above the hip. But as you said, you've watched enough to understand 
that and, and been behind the scenes enough to understand it's about velocity and not about pitching. We take big arms and we hope they can throw strikes or at least get outs and, and we'll live with that. Now that I have you on this side, you know, we've spent some time in the dugout and I got to hear what you and Charlie really thought about me. So now I get to pick your right a little bit. <laughs> um, as a manager, are there certain managers that, you know, you, you kind of hope something happens so you can get to the other manager's face, you know, an incident because you feel they're dirty manager or they're going to send guys for you i have a guy in mind i watched my whole career and i know he called for me to get hit before and the pitcher you threw the ball behind me but who was that or those guys for you that you couldn't wait till something was on edge just so you could send out the guys to go get retaliation there's one and, and we're good friends now but there's one tony larissa yep every, that's the man <laughs> it's unbelievable <laughs> every single time that they would hit one of our players and i would retaliate he goes oh you got to have better control of that and i'm going well, what about J-Roll, or what about Burrow? They just got, oh, that wasn't on purpose. But Tony LaRusso, I was waiting for something to happen. And <laughs> Tony stands out, and we're good friends, right? Now, believe me. Um, I would have loved to have hit you when the, <laughs> when the Jonathan Broxton, <laughs> when he gave up that, that game when it hit, it sent us home packing. But uh, that didn't happen. But, uh, yeah, that's one guy that it seemed like even if we came inside to somebody, he would, you know, take his glasses off and come up to the top yep, staff. And, every time. You know, but that was the guy that, that stands out in my mind. And that's who it was for me. Oh, so you had the same manager. Yeah, of course. I knew who you're talking <laughs> about. And I, and I watched him do it. I watched him do it, you know, growing up, an Oakland A's fan. Right. Um, and Zach, and it was always an accident. Right. Oh, my guy just lost control. He, no, come on, dude. Like, we know what's happening. Right. You think back to the eighth inning on Tuesday night. Jose Abreu got hit. That's two in a row at Otani. I think Tony's asking, where's the warning? Now Tony's gone. He's going to get his money's worth, though. That is career ejection number 91 for Tony La Russa. So we're in St. Louis uh, playing Tony La Russa's Cardinals. And the night before, we had a uh, maybe five, six-run lead, whatever it was. And it was about the sixth inning. And, you know, as long as you – have a chance to tack on a run. If they're giving you something, they're holding you on. I'm on first base. I'm a base dealer. If you don't want me to steal, obviously you play behind a runner. You say, okay, we're going to concede that. I'm going to shut the running game down. But if you're holding me on, you're telling me you're still playing, you know, the stolen base as an active part of the game. So I think, you know, at the time that team was struggling. Uh, they weren't playing very good baseball. So certain things you know may feel worse than what they are so we're on you know i have davy loops as my first base uh first base coach and when he calls you off then he calls you off i'm not called off they're holding me on so okay i'm i'm stealing so i still i know who's the manager and the opposing dugout is tony uh you know he says something that night so you kind of already get a feeling okay he's unhappy with that but i think it's more of how the team is playing and these unwritten rules of, you know, not stealing and showing up the other team. But look, five or six runs against that, against an Albert Pujols-led lineup is not a lot. Anyhow, we get to the field the next day. Jaime Garcia's pitching. And I don't think it was my first bat. Maybe been, you know, a little later into the game, second, third. If you know Tony, he, he likes to sit in the weeds. He's going to pick his yeah. moments. He's not going to make it so obvious so the whole, right. whole world knows. So uh, step up to the plate. 
you know, I stand close to the to the plate anyway, not that I'm literally on it, but back foot closed, but I'm open. First pitch comes inside, and I want to say, you know, it, it gets past Yachty. And I just kind of look up like, okay, was this on purpose, or did he just miss badly? You know, Yachty doesn't, you know, Jaime's a, he's, he's a finesse pitcher. Yachty doesn't have pass balls. If, if it's coming anywhere close, he catches it. I'm like, all right, well, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. Next pitch, I want to say goes behind me, like little, just right under my cheeks. I don't know how I missed my cheeks. I had a butt then. I don't know how I missed my cheeks, but it did. So I look out, and I'm looking at Tony like, are you kidding me? Like, bro, all right, whatever. It is what it is. And I kind of look at Jaime, and he's kind of walking down. I'm looking, I'm like, I wish you would throw another one to hit me. Um, I think I ended up walking on four pitches, five pitches, but the message was sent. You know, that we're going to stand up when we think something is unfair. But when that happened, I flipped the bat knowing it is kind of like going back to when I was a kid. Right. I've seen Tony do this, watch it on TV. I've been to A's games where he threw it, guys, and he comes out and like, what happened? We didn't do that. We didn't just all the stuff that he says. It's like, bro, it's all an act. Everybody in baseball knows what's happening. Now, it, I mean, it didn't really lead, need to, lead to much, but I flipped the bat and I ran, you know, out the batter's box. And I'm looking at the dugout, and I'm so pissed. Right. I look over, and I just, I just mouth the words, F you, Tony. He's looking at me. Because I really wanted him to say something. Like, you know that was bull****. You don't do that. If, yeah. if you want to do something, then, you know, do something early. Don't wait till the next day and kind of hide it, you know, into the game. But that's what Tony, you know, uh, uh, did. But he was the best at knowing when to get a guy. So oh, yeah, it didn't seem so obvious that his player wouldn't get kicked out, that there wouldn't be – warnings right. like oh that's just happening as part of the game but if you knew anything about competing against tony managing against tony <laughs> if you hit one of his guys <laughs> right. before that series was over three to four of yours were going to get hit and nothing would ever be said about it no question you know you know what i don't like you know what i don't like about uh what some guys do if you know that you're, you're going to retaliate i don't like the guy throwing a first pitch breaking ball like oh it's over with if you're going to hit a guy Get in the first pitch. That's or, right. You know, do your job and get it over with. But those guys that try to set it up with throwing a couple breaking balls, that boom. Uh, you know, everyone knows if this guy's going to get hit, hit him, get it out of the way, and let's move on with the game. But some of these guys, they like to throw a breaking ball or something away, and then all of a sudden, boom. You know what? If everybody knows it, get it over with, man. By the way, that should be another unwritten rule, that you shouldn't entice a guy who knows mm. he's going to get hit and say, throw a couple of breaking balls, like say, oh, okay, I'm good now, and the next one drills me. You could really hurt somebody that way. So I, no question. I played for Tony La Russa, and I'll never forget, we had an incident <laughs> very similar to that. It was against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, and the funniest part about that whole day is that the teams came out, and it was going to be a big brawl until it was Buck Showalter and Tony La Russa. And it ended up just those two, and all the players stopped and said, well, this is hilarious. Let's watch these two managers go at it. Uh-oh, this is getting really ugly. Buck is hot. This accelerated in a hurry. No, it was interesting, Tony. We saw a moment before today's game where Tony LaRusso and Buck came together laughing, smiling. They seemed to get along fine, and then all of a sudden they were both pretty hot at each other. Now, Bo, I don't know if you were, I don't know if you were on the team. Yeah, you, of course you were on the team. So in 1984 uh, – I play for the Mets, and we're trying to uh, challenge the, the Cubs. And the right. Cubs um, were a better team than us. And we went in in August, and we were a young team, talented team, but a young team. 
and they won four straight. And Jay Roll, it was just, uh, I mean, it was a massacre over four days. And every game seemed like it was the same. Um, a young Mets pitcher would go three or four innings and kind of have it working, and then the Cubs would explode for six or seven over the the rest of the game and, and blow mm. us out. And I pitched one of those games. It was a Saturday afternoon, and uh, I gave up uh, no no runs for five innings. In the sixth inning, Jody Davis takes me deep. Keith Moreland took me deep, and someone else took me deep. Three home runs in the inning. And I don't think you were playing that game, uh, Bo. I think Dave Owen. You remember Dave Owen? Yeah, Dave Owen, yeah. Yeah, Spike Owen was uh, Spike Owen's brother, and he right. was playing. And after the three home runs, Jimmy, he tried to bunt for a base hit. Oh, this Lord. is three home runs. In I the do end. remember. Wow. And, and I just got mad, and I ended up hitting him in the knee. And that was my first taste of – I was still a young kid. I was 24 years old. It was my first taste of getting mad, throwing at a guy, and not understanding the repercussions that are going to happen after you do that. And Rick Sutcliffe, who has this – ginormous head anyway with this big red hair he was halfway out of the dugout when i realized finally uh oh i put myself in more harm than i just did to dave owen because this entire cubs team is going to beat the out of me here in about two seconds <laughs> yeah we had a pretty good team at 84 in fact we should have gone to the world series yeah that's another story we win the first two against san diego they go out there and we get swept three straight. But that was a good team. We scored a lot of runs that year. But I do remember that. What are the rules in the playoffs? And do the rules differ? I don't think you see that retribution in the playoffs or the World Series. I, because the games, are, there's only seven of them. And first one to win four, you don't want to wake anybody up if they're down on the other side. It is. That's a great question, Jimmy. Uh, I, I can't remember in a playoff game where, uh, especially or, or World Series, even World Series, where somebody got hit on purpose. Mm. I think the rule, that stuff's out the window there because, like you said, you're trying to win four games as quick as you can. I guess the magnitude of the game is important. You don't want to get anybody obviously right. suspended. Mm -hmm. You know, if some guy throws on purpose and umpires and say that's on purpose, you're gone for three days. So you, you got to take all that stuff into consideration. You know, it's not only uh, uh, hitting the other batter. You know, there's retribution for bad slides, bat flips. Uh, brawls can come from anywhere. I remember this happened. The Mets had a pitcher, and you guys had a batter up and he did not wait for the batter to get ready. Something set the fills off. Quick pitch. Yeah. And threw the first pitch before uh, the, the batter Robles. was ready. Robles threw it. The left fielder, yep. he's now with the Giants, um, Darren Ruff, I think might have been yep. the hitter. His and, head was down. And his head was down, and he threw the pitch. Yep. And that's the, I've seen you angry plenty. That was about as angry as you can get. Oh, Boa. We, we haven't seen Boa this hot since back in 2000. Four. I went wacko because I mean his head. He, you know, he tapped the plate, and he did that quick pitch stuff. That's right. And Terry Collins, was the manager, and the next day I, I went out and told Terry, I said, "That's weak, man. You want a quick pitch of the guys looking at you? I've got no problem with it." His head was literally, you know, you tap the plate, you're looking down. Mm -hmm. The ball's halfway to, you know, if that ball hits him in the face, I remember that. That was that was uh, that one I did with the Mets, and the other one I did is is when Murph 
hit a home run on us. That's right. And we're getting beat nine to one, and he hits a home run. And he acts like it's a World Series. He's jumping up and down, <laughs> jumping up and down. And when he's going out, he's looking. He's playing first base, and he looked at the dugout. I said, "Hey, right here." And then Joe Torrey sends me a letter. It says, I'm going to find you $500 for that. And I said, for what? And he says, you, I saw you pointing the ribs. I said, I told Murph, let's go out and have some ribs after the game. <laughs> <laughs> so Joe says, send me the check, Bo. We'll get squared away. But I remember that one, too. I mean, they're killing us 9-1. to one. He just acted like he won the seventh game of a World Series. I said, run around the bases, man. But those two things with the Mets, is, you know, those, those two stand out with me. <laughs> and that's not surprising. You knew it was coming at one point or another. Here come the Braves. They are going after Lefferts. Another head-high fastball against a New York Mets, and the Mets are angry. We don't start stuff, but we will stop stuff. We will, we will, we will end stuff. Well, I'll tell you right now, I knew uh, when we had Larry Boa on, who spawned so many great generations of the game, that this would be a great show. And that we brought you in a retribution, that's right up your alley, Bo. So you are right. You are fantastic. So our final verdict here, is there any reason to have a tit-for-tat retribution rule anymore? Does it still have a place in the game? I got to say no, because you know why, Rod? Because I think the umpires take care of it now right away. There's no warning. I mean... Right away, if the guy thinks you're throwing on purpose, they can kick him out. And usually if one's inside, it might be a good two-seamer that ran in. They might take the mask off and say, that's a warning, that's a warning. And then again, do you want uh, Zach Wheeler suspended for a start? No, I don't want him suspended, uh, being affiliated with the Phillies. Do you want DeGrom suspended for four days or Scherzer? No. So I think umpires now are aware of the situation, and I think they're handling it, even though sometimes... It's uncalled for when you get hit with a breaking ball, but I don't think you're going to see a lot of that going on now. I really don't. Well, this is the Ron Darling and and Jimmy Rollins show called Unwritten on Odyssey and MLB, but it'll be forever known as the Larry Boa show. Thanks, Bo. (laughs) All right, guys. Jimmy, you're our younger correspondent on the show. Should retribution and payback be completely eliminated? And as Tony the Roosters of the world eventually retire, you think retributions will retire with him? I don't think there's ever truly a finish to retribution unless a player switches teams. And even then, that player may still be singled out. So I think once it started, it's open-ended until both sides or both people uh, agree that it's over. Hey, I got you. You got me back. Let's go on and push this behind us. Because there have been plenty of times where, as we've heard, it goes outside the lines. It isn't just between the lines. So it's up to the players, it's up to the organization, the team, the manager, to say, you know what, we're going to call the dogs off. And there's really no telling who does it first. Um, But I think at any given moment, it doesn't take much to start a fire. And you know what I really find interesting uh, about it, uh, and always have, is that there is a real chance to connect with teammates. There is a street cred to taking care of your mates. Um, and that'll always be there. That's always uh, going to be the biggest part of the game because, you know, guys might have their own deal and they might have their headphones on and might not be as much connection. Um, it's important at some point to make sure that you know that I have your back at all times. And... Uh, 
And hopefully that's what the game will always be like because uh, it will be a game I won't want to play if, if it's not like that. So Jimmy Rollins, Ron Darling, thanks for listening. Unwritten is a production of Odyssey and Major League Baseball. Our senior producer is Paul Aspen of Odyssey with Ian Kay of Major League Baseball. Lena Glazer is the executive producer of 2400 Sports at Odyssey. Jody Avergan and Nick Trotta of MLB are executive producers. Special thanks to everyone at Major League Baseball and Odyssey who helped make this show happen. If you enjoy the show, please leave a rating or a review in your podcaster player of choice. Or just tell someone about the show. For Jimmy Rollins, I'm Ron Darling. Thanks again for listening, and we'll be back soon with more on baseball's unwritten rules.